right, so today, as we turn our attention to the Word, I would like to focus this afternoon on this one word, oneness. Oneness. I'm going to ask you just to uh, turn your Bibles with me. There are two key texts that will guide our thoughts today. Our first will be from our, our famous chapter, John 15. John 15. And I'll be reading verse 13 to 15. John 15, verse 13 to 15. And then we're going to read a text from John 17 to 21. So let's go. John 13 to 15. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said, if ye do whatever I command you. Henceforth I call you what? Not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord what? Doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard my father, heard of my father, I have made them known unto you. And then, you know, in our next text, John 17 to 21, Jesus says, it's the same narrative, okay? The same narrative, different chapters, but the same narrative. Jesus said, that they all may be what? As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. Time where we can listen to your voice. Through your word, speak into our hearts. Once again, Father, I submit all that I am into your hands. I simply ask that you would take full control of all my faculties and speak through me. Father, my joy is to know, is to know that you are lifted up. Amen. Whenever Jesus is being spoken about. And I just pray, Lord, that as you speak through me, that you'll speak to me as well, and may we all be blessed and edified, but may we all be transformed in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. My key thought is this, intimacy with God and each other. It is not just his will to save us, or even to transform us. But it, it's this intimacy 
that is at the basis of his plan to save humanity. Are you with me? Here we find in this text, he's speaking to his disciples. We have gone through John 15 and we, we have seen so clearly throughout this chapter so far where Jesus is pointing to the fact that he desires us to be branches. And branches are connected to the what? To the vine, correct? There is an intimate interaction that's taking place with that connection. And remember, when the vine dresser comes, what is he inspecting? He's actually inspecting that union. Remember, he's not really concerned too much about the fruit, right? When he comes, he's inspecting the branches, and he's, con he's looking keenly at its connection to the vine. If the branch is connected well to the vine, it means that, guess what? There will be fruits. He doesn't, he doesn't worry about the fruits if there's a connection. Are you with me? However, when he looks at the vine, and if he sees where the branch is not connected as it should be, remember, he lifts it up, right? And he tries to make sure that it gets back to its original purpose, which is to stay connected to the vine. Jesus is very keen upon intimacy. If there's one thing he doesn't like, is a superficial relationship. And you hear it from his heart when he speaks towards the Laodicean Christians. How they are not truly connected. All right? They're living life with one foot here in, in the church and another foot outside the church. They're not really hot. And they're not really cold. But they're what? They're lukewarm. Are you with me? And what does he, how does that make him feel? It makes him want to puke. He does not like when people are fake. Just be one or the other. Just live up the world. Enjoy to the max. But don't call the name of God. Are you with me? Or if you call the name of God, live it to the max. Be, live in an intimate relationship with him. Love him with all of your hearts, with all of your minds, with all of your soul. Be all in. Are you with me? That is what he's after. He wants Christians, he wants disciples who are authentic to the core. And so we see here in this text in John 15, Jesus is saying, I am, I am not interested in only calling you a servant. That's what he's saying, right? I, I want you to know that you are more than a servant. You, you, a servant just, just do what he's, does what he's told to do, correct? But you are more than a servant. To me, you are a friend. In other words, what he's trying to say is, as a friend, you will know the inner workings of my relationship with my father. I am going to invite you into the circle of intimacy. 
as disciples, we must know that God desires intimacy. And it's the foundational basis for a relationship with him. Three things I want to share with you when we think about family matters. I want you to consider this oneness. You might ask, why does family, why does uh, the family matter? Number one, it's by God's design. It's whose design? It's God's design. Check this out. When we go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, God says, Therefore shall a man leave his what? His father and his mother and shall what? Cleave unto his, and they shall become one flesh. Here it is, that God in creating humanity, he's establishing the foundation. He's saying, before I populate this planet, I'm, I'm, I'm going to create the foundation for the population, and the population will be created based upon a oneness, a togetherness that is profound. In fact, when you look at the Hebrew word there for the word cleave, all right, it, it does have, have the meaning of being joined together. But you know what that word also means? It means a continual pursuing of the other. Can you imagine that? In other words, in other words, the man will continue to pursue his wife after marriage. Are you with me? There's a lot of pursuing that goes on before marriage, you know. Isn't that true? Amen. Oh my, we set the stage and we go all out. Isn't that true? We go all out to, to win the other person. And the woman does the same. She goes all out and she does all that she can because she wants that guy for herself. Correct? But in most times, the dating ends after marriage. The pursuing stops. Oh, it should just happen after that. Life should just continue after that, right? But, but the, the leaving here and the cleaving suggests in the Hebrew context, it's a continual pursuing for the other person, for their happiness and their well-being. That's what is happening here. And God is saying that's the kind of oneness that's on the found, at the foundational level of all relationships. And once that is established, explosion will occur. The world will be populated. Are you with me? Be fruitful and multiply. Wow. Wow. Jesus is on the pursuit. And you know what? His pursuit is to establish relationships with people that are based on this oneness idea. I'm going to explore it more and more throughout this weekend with you. Um, but, but, but why the family matters? It matters because it's God's design. And I want you to know, friends, I'm seeing it so, I'm seeing it within my own family. I'm seeing it within the family, families in our churches. And what I see is this. I see a full-out attack by the enemy upon families. I mean, he is on, on, the, on his game right now. 
to destroy families. I mean, look at what he's doing to God's design right before our very eyes right now. Right before our eyes. There are things that the enemy is doing to tear apart families and to neutralize the effect of a godly family. In fact, in fact, a family doesn't really consist in the eyes of the world today as being what God's design was in creation. A family can be anything you want to name it right now. You can change your name from a male to a female as you wish. Look at how confusing things are getting right before our eyes when it comes to the family that God designed. It's amazing what the enemy is doing right now, friends. And I tell you, he knows. He knows. He has an insight in how to, in how to somehow limit the effect of God's design upon the human race. He knows if he can, if he can somehow interject some kind of confusion in the process, all right? Then somehow that oneness that is biblical wouldn't be at the foundation anymore. And if it's not at the foundation level, then what comes from that will be pure chaos. Wow. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. You watch. I have nurses coming to me as a pastor telling me, Pastor, I, I, have, I have great difficulty on the job right now because I'm told to call the woman a man. And I have issues dealing with that. I'm told to call the man a woman. You have little kids getting sex change. Operations. At the very foundation of God's plan to populate the earth with his influence, the devil is on the move. But I tell you, friends, the devil is a liar. And he's a loser. We only give him that power. We only give him that power because of our choices. But if we choose, as a people here at Garland, to say we are going to live life with this oneness that Jesus described, both in our families and in our church, there's something powerful that we will all experience. And that's what I want as your pastor. I want to see this church live what Jesus is talking about right here. It's God's design, don't ever forget that, but it's also God's command. It's what? God's command. We are commanded to do certain things when it comes to the family. So it makes no sense we say, hey, listen, um, uh, let's all celebrate God's seventh-day Sabbath because six days thou shalt labor and do what? All thy, thy work, but the seventh day the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Let's keep that with all of our hearts and minds, but at the same time, let's neglect these commands when it comes to the family. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't, friends. Let's turn to Colossians 3. Let's listen to some of God's thoughts when it comes to his commands, when it comes to the family and oneness. 
how to maintain oneness within the family. We know it's God's design. But in Colossians 3, verse 18, the Bible says, ready? Wives, submit to your what? Oh, we don't want to read. We don't want to read that part, right? It's all right. I, I, I know what's going on here. Uh, but Colossians 3, verse 18, wives do what? Submit to your husband as is fitting to who? Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh or bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this is? Fathers, do not provoke your children so they will not become? Are you with me? This is filled with commands right here that God is saying, it's my design, and if we choose to live within that design, we will experience explosive power within our church, within our family. That will have an impact upon our community. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Yes, yes, husband. Wives don't want to hear the word submit in today's society. Husbands do not want to hear the word love in today's society. Yes, children don't want to obey their parents in today's society. But still, it's God's design. And above that, it's his command. So when we, as folks, when we listen to God's word, and we know what the world is saying, that this is not woke, all right? And when we, when we read God's word and we say, okay, what is it saying here? I don't want to do that. We're so filled with pride. And then we choose to walk away from that. I tell you all the time. I said it last night again. Guess whose neck you can't move? God. It's the most stiffest neck in the universe. You think your neck is stiff-necked? God is not going to move in your direction unless you choose as wife to submit to your husband. Till you choose as husband to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Until you children choose to obey your parents and fathers not to provoke your children. It's right there. God's prescription, right? For oneness. Now, I don't have the time right now to go into submission, but I will. I will cover it. I don't have the time to go into love when it comes to the husbands, but I will. All right? And obeying when it comes to children. Garland family. If we follow this, though the world does not subscribe to it, if we follow this, the last point here is going to be very significant. Because not only it's God's design, not only it's God's what? Command. But it's God's mission tool. What did I say? It's God's mission tool. Let's look at it. Acts 2. Go to Acts 2 with me. Oneness. We're talking about oneness. Go to Acts 2. And I'm going to begin with verses 1 and 2. Acts 2, verse 1 and 2. 
Are you with me? Oh, man, that's beautiful sound. I hear those Bibles turning. Acts 2, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was what? Fully come. They were all with what? Do you see that oneness? Let me ask you, how much was God able to do through their lives before Pentecost? Not too much, right? They were so divided. Even in that, that fateful time, being at the Last Supper with Jesus, there were all kinds of things going through their minds. They were thinking of possession rather than relationships, right? They're, they're, they're plotting Jesus' demise right there at the table. They were so, so they were even thinking of, uh, of, of using their own power to somehow protect Jesus. Are you with me? And out of this divided, crazy bunch of people, <laughs> something happened when they decided to come on one accord. Something happened. Wow. Do you know what happened? Let me explain to you. I, uh, you might know that I studied to be an electrical engineer. Did work in the field for quite a while. One of the things I, I enjoyed was electromagnetism. Ma really enjoyed that topic. Consider a bunch of nails being thrown on a table. Just consider. You can actually align those nails in a certain direction, whatever you choose, by just placing a piece of wire underneath that table that has electricity flowing through that wire. You, 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 you put electricity through that wire, guess what's going to happen to the nails? They're going to start doing what? Moving, right? And then you can align them into any direction you want. Let me tell you, friends, the Holy Spirit is waiting. He's waiting on God's people to come into this oneness. And the moment, listen, the moment the Holy Spirit sees that environment and that juice starts to flow through the church, right? You're going to see an amazing alignment of God's people. The thing is, he's not, he's not going to flow if there's no willingness to align. No, he's not. And no matter what you do or what you try to try to coerce him to somehow work when there's unforgiveness going on in the camp, when there's all kinds of immorality running through the church, when there's all kinds of stuff going on that he completely, completely rejects, as long as those things are happening within the church, hey, listen, he's not going to flow. And if he doesn't flow... There's no alignment. And if there's no alignment, there's no power. So guess who has to be willing to change? We have to. It's the greatest missionary tool for God. This oneness. Let me show you. Go to the end of this verse. The end of this um, chapter. Just go to the end of this chapter. 
Look at what happens to God's people and their impact upon the world when they choose to live in oneness with each other. Watch this. Verse 40. Let's look at verse... Um, uh, we, can start, we can start with 46. No, let's start with 40. And with many other words, he testified and what? Exhorting and Peter's preaching, saying, Be saved from this what? Perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized, and that day about what? From 120 to 3,000. All because they were what? They were one accord. They were willing, and I'm not done yet, but they were willing to forgive. Are you following me? They were willing not to act with prejudice. They were, they were a willing group of people who said, listen, I know that I am weak. I know I have faults. However, by God's grace, I want to love you as much as I love God. Are you with me? That's what they were willing to say. They were willing to work with each other. Look at the text. It said 3,000 were saved, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the what? The apostles. No, all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as any have need. Were these people now on one accord? What you had, if you were living during that time, Elder Stewart, would be mine. We can't say that in this world today. Right? We can't say that. I give you, let me give you a little story. It blessed my heart this week. I was working, working on some, some things for my son, Joseph, while I was there in Jamaica. And um, I just, the Lord just gives, he gave me this heart, you know, to, to, just, to just be a blessing to people. It's from him, it's not me. And I just praise his name. But we were there and we were struggling. I, I actually packed some, some documents uh, uh, in a bag, and I thought I placed all of them in the bag. I, I mean, I took my time before uh, we went the next day um, to get some paperwork done. When, when I arrived, guess what? I had all the documents except one. And I was pleading to the lady, listen, I can bring it tomorrow. I mean, I thought I had it. And she's like, Mr. Harris, I really can't. There's nothing we could do. I sat there begging this lady for about 45 minutes to do something. And she, eventually she got kind of annoyed, you know, kind of annoyed. And uh, I said, all right, there's nothing I can do. So I was going out. On my way out, the guard who, was, who let me in to the, to the premises there, uh, uh, he was just, he was so kind. So I, I just secretly reached into, reached into my car there to pull out my wallet. And when I got my wallet to give him a generous tip, guess what happened? Right there in my wallet. <laughs> so I was choosing to be a blessing 
And when I saw it, I go, wow. So I turned back around. I ran inside. I said, look, guess what I found? She said, wow. And we processed the paper. All was well. That happened all because I wanted to be a blessing to the next person. Are you following me? What God blessed me with, I choose to be a blessing to someone else. And I tell you, friends, that thing is so, it is so contagious. It is so powerful when we work together in a spirit of oneness. And what I have, you have. And we work together. But all this independent stuff, it's not in the Bible. But that's the world that sets up things like that. And we can choose to go down that road or we can choose to say, no, I want the road of Christ. Because all that he had, he made available to me. Isn't that beautiful? And that is his missionary tool. A oneness idea where we live in oneness within the family and oneness within the church. It's a powerful thing. I want to close with, with a story. The oneness idea is so powerful, you, we see it, well, here in Texas, uh, not too frequently. But I won't forget that Super Bowl uh, year here in Texas when it snowed so badly. Y'all remember that? Right here in Texas? And you know, I, I, I was living there, uh, we were in Arlington at the time, and I remember we didn't see snow like that in Texas ever. But I remember just watching through my windows, and I remember the first flake coming down. Are you with me? And then flake after flake. You know, flakes are so fragile. You know that, right? You know, so you touch them, they just, they're gone, right? The, the heat of the hand, and they melt. And we're fragile people. Some of us are very fragile. Someone says something, oh, man, we, we, we're off the loop. We're off the loop there, right? But you know what happened? As I sat there and looked at the flakes, and they kept falling and falling, when, when one flake fell on another flake and another flake, man, I, I, in, in a couple hours, the entire place was white. And the snow, and guess what? It was so cold outside, the next day, it hardened. Are you following me? So the flakes, they stick together, and they get so hard, it's tough and rock solid, all right? What I'm trying to say to you today is Jesus wants rock solid people, rock solid people, fragile, but the only way we can be rock solid is if we stick together. Don't tear apart each other. Forgive each other. Pray for each other. He needs people who are like this so that we can share the three angels' message to the world. Amen. When they hear this harsh message, they will think of who it's coming from. Are you with me? Because they'll know that these people are godly people. Hey, I know that's what the Bible said. He said that they... All may be one, as you, Father, 
are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Right? Watch. Watch. That the world may believe. Who? That the world may what? So we think that it's, the, it's just preaching the three angels' message that's going to make the world believe? It's very good. And I tell you, I love sharing it. I, you know that. But I'm on a mission. We got to lead, a, we got to build a foundation first. And when we share that message from that foundation, then we'll get the explode, explosion we're looking for. Then we'll see people believing. Are you with me? So as long as I'm here at the Garland Faith Community, St. Adventist Church, I want to be in oneness with you. Amen. And do you know why? Because I love Jesus. Amen. And I want to see his mission accomplished in my lifetime. Amen. Jesus loves you all. Our first goal is to be aligned with him. If you're here today and you would like to be aligned with Jesus, and you'd like to say, Jesus... I want you more than everything else. I'm going to ask you to stand. As the flakes stick together, that's how I want to stick to you, Jesus. And then if you're here today and you'd like to say, Pastor Harris, I want to seek to live a life of oneness within the church. I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You're truly a good God. You're amazing. And you have ordained for disciples to live a life of oneness within the family and within the church family, but above all, a oneness with you. And we have seen today, Father, that it's by your design, you created it this way. And it's your command as well. And it's your missionary tool to reach the world. And so, Father, we're, we're declaring that today you have seen the hands, you have seen the people stand to their feet, including myself. We're declaring that we want this one accordness where the Holy Spirit can do a similar work through this church as it did in the day of Pentecost. And I just ask, Father, that you will pour out your spirit upon us all and help us in those times when we disagree with each other, in those times where we might even hurt each other, in those times where we're not seeing eye to eye. Help us to remember at all costs that unity and oneness must be maintained. And Father, we know you're true to your promises. I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring your forgiveness and your peace upon each person here today and their families. Help us all to delight in you as we know you will give us the desires of our hearts and may this church lead a reformation that will see many people come to know Jesus and believe. This is our prayer. This is our asking. And we ask it in the name of Jesus, the church of the living God say, Amen. Amen. Amen.